Hello and welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and we're so glad that you're here. We use our mojo to really become greater leaders. Now, let's get started by listening to something good. If you really want to improve as a leader, I've got a great deal for you. Simply go to mojouniversity.com and sign up for our two-week trial. Take any of my courses. I promise you, you're going to get better. You're going to learn. Go to mojouniversity.com and sign up totally for free and try us out for two weeks. Hello and welcome everyone to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and I'm thrilled to introduce my special guest, Mr. Michael Lombardi today. Now, Michael uh, is the author of a brand new book called Gridiron Genius, a masterclass in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL. Uh, we're going to have a great time talking about Michael's new book, but he was most recently on the coaching staff for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots front office. Uh, after working for 30 years with the San Francisco 49ers, Oakland Raiders, and Cleveland Browns, where he was general manager for two years, he writes for The Athletic and his top 10 sports podcast, GM Street, is on the Bill Simmons' The Ringer podcast network. Michael, welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Thank you, Steve. It's good to be here. I appreciate you having me. My my pleasure. And uh, listeners, just so you know, we're catching Michael as he's driving cross country. So uh, you will hear the audio from him on his cell phone. But I know we're going to have a good time because we're going to talk about football and leadership. And uh, so we're going to have some fun with that. Michael, uh, before we begin, why don't you share with the listeners what fun thing you've been up to lately outside of work? Well, you know, it's football season, so it's hard to get fun stuff out of work. But I think this trip, driving across the country with my wife and my two dogs, is about the best fun I'm going to have. I've, I started my career driving from a little beach town in Ocean City, New Jersey, to Nevada, Las Vegas. It was a long trip, and I'm probably going to be ending this as I drive back to New Jersey again. So it's kind of like uh, I've come full circle. I totally get that. Uh, well, uh, thanks for sharing that, and just be safe as you drive. Uh, one of the things uh, that uh, I, I really I love the book, I'm really enjoying uh, the book tremendously, and we're going to have fun talking about it as it relates to leadership today. Uh, but for our listeners' sake, uh, most listeners to our show, loyal listeners, know I'm a, a big football fan, uh, that Cindy and I are big Alabama fans and Nick Saban fans. And I know you've run across Nick in your career as well. Uh, one of the things that I want to make sure our listeners know is that Michael uh, has had access, and I mean full access, to three legendary members of the NFL community. Bill Walsh, Al Davis, and of course, Bill Belichick. 
And Michael, uh, as we begin today, I would be amiss uh, if I didn't ask the first question my listeners are going to ask me. Uh, are you related to the late, great Vince Lombardi? No relation at all. I've been blessed to know his family, Vince Jr., and then his grandson, Joe, who coaches with the New Orleans Saints, and John, who runs a uh, runs the Lombardi Beer Company in uh, Tennessee. So no relation, but I know the family, and I'm appreciative of them. I got started in football because I saw uh, Vince Lombardi, and I thought that this is the path that I should take. Well, uh, we're all glad you did, and uh, this book has given us a glimpse into what the real business of the NFL is all about. Uh, as we begin, what I want you to do, I think it's just fascinating you're driving cross-country because I know you started your career with Bill Walsh with a very unusual job. And if you don't mind, why don't you share that with our listeners, what you did and uh, how you kind of got started in this football business. Well, I was working at UNLV as a, kind of a, a recruiting coordinator, making very little money, and I got offered a job to work for the 49ers as a scouting assistant, and then part of that job would be whatever else anybody needed me to do. And sometimes Coach Walsh needed a ride in his car, and he needed to go to the airport, or I needed to take him to the hotel or whatever, and I got to be have a firsthand relationship with Coach Walsh from those times in the car, and I've got to attend scouting uh, coaching meetings and and did all those things. And so it allowed me access to a man, brilliance, and taught me the beginning of my roots of football learning really started right there at his, at his footsteps. And I was able to learn from him all the secrets that he accumulated through the years from working through Paul Brown, working with Paul Brown, Al Davis, and Sid Gilman, the pillars of the game. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, how, how awesome is it that you're driving uh, – Walsh's uh, Porsche, and you're learning and picking the brain of the guy that today I would say is his his uh, legacy is all through the NFL. Would that be a fair statement? No doubt, and you know his leadership skills. You know, what most people Steve misconstrue about Coach Walsh is they get so caught up in the West Coast offense, which was truly his baby and his uh, what he designed and developed. However, that being said. You know, he really was about leadership and it was about his standard of excellence and about making sure the organization's culture was always at the best part it could be. And that's what that's what he built in San Francisco. He built an incredible culture using that standard of excellence. And that's what I talk about in the book, about why culture matters so much. And it's not the offense or the defense or the kicking game. It really starts with the culture and how you build that culture. There's no question about it. And we hear today in leadership all the time, you've got to build a great culture. But frankly, I think that what has happened is that people have minimized what culture really is. They, they, they almost think it's like some type of community or relationship thing. And they don't realize how, uh, how much more culture really is to a, a company. And uh, you point this out very clearly in, in your book. And uh, one of the, I just want to bring this out for our listeners because I want them to go get their own copy because I don't care. If you're a CEO today, you, you should be reading Michael's book. Uh, or if you intend to become a CEO, uh, the, the simple fact is he points out leadership qualities that all of us must master. And you talk about uh, the standard of performance uh, by Walsh, and you listed 17 things that really go about making up this culture. 
And I'm just going to list a couple of them. I want all every all our listeners, Michael, to go read it themselves so that they can really pick up on this. Uh, but a, a few that really jump out at me is that you got to exhibit a ferocious and intelligently applied work ethic directed at continual improvement. You've got to demonstrate character, be fair, uh, honor the, and this one I love, honor the direct connection between details and improvement and relentlessly seek the latter. I, these, these 17 steps, if you will, uh, I, I can imagine as a young man that this really made a significant in, uh, impact on your life at that time, did it not? Oh, no doubt. I mean, and you know, and those steps led me to the conversation I had in a car with him when Coach Walsh asked me one day, do I know who Tom Peters was? And, you know, I was thinking it was a trick question. I thought Tom Peters was the punter from South Dakota, and it ended up being the best-selling author uh, writing this book, In Search of Excellence, which I had to go buy. And, you know, this is one of the thrills of writing this book is Tom Peters writes uh, a review of my book on the back cover because I, I agree, Steve. I want this book to be in, well, I want this book to be on anybody's plate that wants to lead people, and it doesn't have to be in a sports field. It can be in any field. And I think it, the lessons learned that Coach Walsh was teaching are applicable to any field. And he believed that tremendously. He always felt that he could go run any company because it was all about culture and how he established that culture. His expertise was football. But his base and his foundation was all culture. And uh, as a part of that culture, the, the thing that, that I love, and I think it's underestimated by businesses uh, all over the world today, and that is the uh, attention to detail that you have to have. Uh, you have to document the process that your people follow. Isn't that one of the things that he talked about? Yeah, no doubt. And I think what happens is, is we just think culture, as you said in the beginning of this interview, that culture is just get put in place and then it never maintains. It's like, a, you know, it's not a, a wild flower that just grows on its own. It has to be watered and nurtured every single day. And Walsh was making sure that that's what he did. He wanted to deal with that and he understood that. And so he was the one nurturing it. He was the one having meetings with every department head to go over what he needed done and what he expected because he represented the 49ers and he wasn't just the coach, he was the leader of the culture. Absolutely he was. And so many people today probably, they know the story of the 49ers and the fact they won all the Super Bowls under Montana, but uh, they really forget what a, a, literally what a joke around the NFL the 49er organization was before he came there, what? Uh, could you elaborate on that? Yeah, look, he takes over a team in 1979 that Edward DeBartolo, a young owner, owned. And Edward DeBartolo Jr. went out and hired Joe Thomas because most people in the league told him he was the best general manager in football. And Joe Thomas made a bunch of rash decisions, traded for O.J. Simpson, gave up high draft picks to get him. And then DeBartolo realized he made a horrible decision and he went and hired Bill Walsh, and I'm not sure who told him to hire Bill, but it was easy to see because Bill was coaching then at Stanford and leading Stanford to wins when Stanford wasn't always recognized as a powerhouse in football. And so by that, DeBartolo's hire allowed Walsh to install his culture. That's the key component here is you must have an owner who will allow you the, the time frame and agrees with the culture you're trying to establish. 
I totally uh, agree with that. And uh, just from a business standpoint, uh, one of the things that I think uh, leaders often overlook, uh, whether or not they're beginning managers or they move up the chain of command to the point where they become the overall leader of the organization, they don't realize that you have to coach those both below and above you. And Walsh actually uh, coached the owner as well, didn't he? Absolutely. I mean, you know, owners don't always understand it. You know, they always hear football is like any other business. Well, it's really not. It survives on the culture and how it's, a, how it's put into place. And you, the owner's job is to really give you what he expects of the organization, what he believes in, and then it's your job to implement that on a broader scale. It can't be micromanaged. It's got to be on a broader scale. And, yes, and DeBartolo got an education. He understood what it took. He understood the essence of being uh, – the right culture at the right time and i think that that's why it works so well and that's why in 1984 when bill walsh said to me in that draft room we're only competing against eight teams when there was only 28 in the nfl he was talking about culture and the other eight teams that had it because the owners don't always understand what it takes to have the right culture it's just fascinating to me and it, it it's the parallels to business are just uh so numerous it it really when you start reading the book, uh, listeners, you're going to discover one parallel after another to what makes for a great organization in football, makes for a great organization in business. Uh, now, you went on to uh, work with the iconic uh, Bill Belichick. And uh, yeah. what are some of the similarities to Belichick's approach and differences uh, to his approach from Walsh? You know, they're really similar. Other than their dress, I would say they're really, really similar. Both, <laughs> both believe culture. You know, Bill was always in white shoes that were pristine and slacks that were always pressed. And Bill has tended to like to cut things off and, you know, maybe not look exactly the same. But when at the end result, they both, they both understood their jobs were to establish, maintain, and drive culture. And that's what Belichick does beyond uh, anything else at New England. And when he was with us in Cleveland, that was a problem. The owner always wasn't endeared to the culture. He didn't really understand it. He, he didn't grasp it. And so it made it harder for Belichick to install what he believed to be the right culture. And then when he got the job in New England with Robert Kraft, Kraft has allowed him to install his culture. And that's why we hear those, those famous words, the Patriot way, do your job. That's all Belichick's culture. And it's very similar to Walsh. Yeah, and uh, that I, I have said for many years uh, that you can trace over and over again in the NFL, just like you can in the business, you can have really poor owners, and they, they exert uh, influence in ways that really destroy the, the culture of the organization. They, they demotivate the organization, and the people that should be documenting processes that will make you money and make you successful or not free to do so. Uh, yet Belichick certainly has done that, and I agree. Certainly, uh, uh, he doesn't dress the part as, as much as some of the other coaches, although I would say uh, recently I think, uh, you know, I've noticed a little bit of improvement in his dress. Seems like uh, the girlfriend he's dating has made an impact a little bit on that. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that. And I think he's very happy in his life. I think that's reflective of what's what's happening. Look, you know, he 
his job, he's so authentic, and I think this is something leaders really need to understand. His authenticity is what drives him. I mean, he's not trying to be somebody he's not. And I have a, I have a, uh, I talk about this uh, whenever I give speeches. Is I always put a picture of Frank Sinatra up, and Frank Sinatra's picture in a in a tuxedo with cufflinks, and then a picture of Sinatra uh, in the 1970s when he tried to wear a leisure suit. He just didn't look like Sinatra. There was nothing authentic about that look. And I think sometimes people try to be Sinatra in a leisure suit. They're not authentic. And Belichick is always authentic. And that's what you want to copy somebody, copy yourself. That's the key. And he learned, and that's what he does really well. I, I just think it's wonderful. And uh, I, you provide uh, so many wonderful stories in this book uh, about how Belichick did do that. And, uh, and one of the things that Belichick, I think, uh, at least in my view, in the NFL world, does better than anyone else, and that is that he, he really pays attention to the details. Why is he so focused on the details, Michael? You know, I read a book once by Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way, and, and in there there's a line that says by Marcus Aurelius, uh, you know, the, the greatest, the, the secret to all victory lies in the organization of the non-obvious, and that's what Belichick is so good at finding the non-obvious, and making sure it's the details are handled. And, and, and that's what wins. That's what separates good companies from great companies. That's what separates bad from good. And so you have to figure it out. And it's not always the path of least resistance. It's not always obvious. So you've got to spend time looking for it and understanding exactly where it is and then organizing it and getting real great attention to detail when it comes to it. And I think that's what he's been able to do. And that's the difference. I mean, look, we know the NFL is a league where most games are decided by seven points or less. And that margin of error is so small. We saw it the other night. Kansas City has a ten, they're down by 10 points. The Denver Broncos on the road and they find a way to come back. More so because Denver failed to realize where they were than Kansas City doing the things that they had to do. And I think that that's where Belichick separates himself so much. I, I totally agree. Now, I, I also though want to point out, Michael, that you yourself are a very uh, high-detailed individual, and that you've learned these lessons well, and and certainly applied them. Uh, in the forward to uh, Michael's book, listeners, uh, Belichick gives him quite the kudos and talks about how he devised uh, scouting methods that he still uses to this day, where he evaluates players to an and. Uh, not just players, but what I found fascinating and what I wanted to talk about, Michael, was that you also evaluated coaches. Yes. Share a little bit of insight with us, if you would, maybe just a touch about why was that important? Well, because coaches are leaders, and, and we felt like to understand what, what made a great leader made a great coach. And there's four traits, you know, the ability to have a plan, explain the plan, have trust amongst the people you're leading, and then command yourself. And those four areas we found were really the key components to what made successful coaches. And we always understood, and this is a Tom Petersism through Peter Drucker, is there's a difference between managers and leaders. Managers do things right. Leaders do the right thing. And so when you separate those two areas, you really get a good, crisp, clean look at exactly what has to happen. And that's what we tried to do uh, in Cleveland, and that's what we tried to do in New England when I was there. And actually, as you being an Alabama fan, Nick Saban's program in Alabama is really modeled after the Browns from 91 to 94. No question about it. And uh, one of the things I've shared with our listeners here in the past 
one of my favorite uh, Saban quotes is that uh, we don't practice uh, so we can get it right. We practice so we can't get it wrong. And I, I, I just love that line because I believe that one of the things we don't do in business is that we really don't pay attention to the details the way that we need to. So many leaders that have been promoted in the ranks in the past have been more charismatic in nature and they don't uh, they don't have a deep appreciation for the details that have to come about if you're going to create the correct culture. And so your nope. experience in the NFL certainly has contributed, I think, to us understanding a different level of that. No doubt. I think that that's the key to success in anything you do, whether you're running the Boy Scout troop or you're running a high school volleyball team, is understanding it and not always thinking – you know, we confuse creativity with divergent thinking. And, and once you separate the two, when you look at divergent thinking of how to take something and make it better, take an existing problem, make it better, and not trying to come up with something completely brand new, you certainly move in the right direction. And that's what Walsh does. That's what Belichick does. And certainly that's what Nick Saban's been able to do. Absolutely. And uh, it, it, Michael, one of the things that you included in your book that I think makes it uh, revolutionary, and it's, it's really awesome for those of us that are in business, because this is something that I coach my clients on. I talk about this a lot, but uh, I've not yet seen anybody other than you, and go figure, it's in a, a, a sport about football or a book about football, where you actually included questions, very detailed questions, whenever you're going to go interview or hire a coaching candidate. I mean, this is the, the best detailed Q&A that I've ever seen for somebody to be interviewed about a job. What actually caused you to do this? Well, you know, look, you don't, just want to become a head coach you have to al davis taught me that when you're in the nfl you don't work in the nfl you live in the nfl and so what i tried to do with that questionnaire is to try to see how much thought a guy is given to becoming a head coach i could promise you when we interviewed belichick in 1991 he's the he's the he gave thought to every one of those questions that was something that he wrote down in detail and so from my experience with him and of course Saban and others you know, all those details have to be covered. You know, it's simple things like why should we decide on the spot if, the, if coaches ball bo- coaches young kids are going to be ball boys? We should understand what we're doing, so nobody has to ask the question. And so, what's your philosophy on that? Like that's detailed thinking. And if you've thought that through, then you've thought about whether you want to be a team that goes for it on fourth down, or want to be a team that is is uh, more aggressive on third down, or how you play the game. And I think that those questions. You have to think about those things constantly because you just don't become a head coach just overnight. You have to really work at it because remember this: there's no school to go to to learn to be head coach. You got to do it. You got to do it on your own training. I totally agree with that, and uh, it, just just so that I can point this out because I pointed this out in uh, in, in my own book, it was very simple. Uh, leaders are made, not born. I mean, this is the whole point. You have to learn how to lead and develop cultures. You're, you're just not going to come out of the womb knowing these things. you got to work at it. No question. And I think the NFL has missed a great opportunity to teach and develop more leaders. I think that's our problem. I think we promote coaches based on their knowledge of scheme, and we don't do a good enough job of continuing education on helping them how to lead and helping them understand what it 
takes to be a leader and developing their leadership skills. You know, the Army doesn't sit there and have a quota for how many generals they're going to have. The Army develops leaders, and leadership takes over where the, where the generals become. And I think that's really important, and I think we don't do enough job, enough, we don't spend enough time developing those leadership skills and traits in our young coaches. I totally agree. As as a matter of fact, that goes across business as well. Uh, you know, people talk about the NFL being a copycat league and uh, because people will go from one team to the other and they copy schemes that they've seen. And people in business do the exact same thing. They go from one place to the other and then they wonder, why do I fail here? Because it doesn't work. And they overlook this thing called leadership and culture that you, you go into great detail in your book to talk about. So, yeah, uh, and I think, you know, that this is an issue we have, too, that NFL's a copycat league, and that's why I talked about, you know, you and I could go, go online today and steal every one of Emeril Lagasse's recipes. They're all available for us. But if we were to open up a store, we couldn't cook them all good. You know, we'd be out of business in six <laughs> months, yet people have no problem trying to start a business somewhere, you know, taking somebody else's ideas. But they would never open up a restaurant stealing emeralds because they know they can't cook it. It's the same principle. Uh, absolutely. I mean... Truly, truly uh, great thinking here, Michael. Uh, I know our time is is running short, and uh, I want to make sure you're safe while you're driving. Uh, Why don't you share with our listeners how they can connect with you and learn more about your book and your great work that you're doing? Well, they can connect with me via Twitter, M. Lombardi NFL at Twitter. Uh, I write for The Athletic, which is a a subscription-based sports content. I write a Monday and Friday column for them. It's theathletic.com. And I share some of the book on there as well. Talk about leadership in the sports column. Because, look, sports is a business. And and then I have TM Street Podcast, which is on the Bill Simmons Sports Network. And we talk a lot about leadership and leaders and culture and teams as we evaluate. So those are the three best ways to get in touch with me. Awesome. Thanks for sharing those, Michael. And uh, as we go today, uh, I I love to include action items. I'm curious uh, for leaders that are listening now, what would be your top one or two action items that you recommend that they begin to think about and and, uh, take action upon? Well, I think the number one thing is be authentic. You know, develop your own philosophy through learning through others. Don't copy somebody else's philosophy. Develop your own and, and develop that, and then really work hard at commanding the message. You know, Martin Luther King was not the keynote speaker on, on the, the day he gave that speech. Martin Luther King was 16 of 16 speakers. The, the, the speech wasn't titled, I Have a Dream, but was untitled. Five minutes into the speech, he decided to go into the I Have a Dream section because Nahalia Jackson in the background said, Dr. King, tell him about the speech. And then he used really specific words. He used powerful message to tell everybody in Washington on that hot day in August what he was looking for, and he got his message clearly across. Outstanding action item, one that we all can learn from. Our guest today, Michael Lombardi, he's the author of Gridiron Genius, a masterclass in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL. I highly recommend it. Put it in your library, start studying it, and start to put Uh, these actions in place into your own company and your own life each day. Michael, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. 